Welcome back to Ralph Pinson's podcast, where ancient wisdom meets modern man. This episode was sponsored by Avraham Ben Moshe, in honor of Rufua Shalema Ukreva for his father. Today's episode is part one of a special Sukkot edition Q&A, and the sixth in our Q&A series. Shana and Yom Kippur, and now we're going into to the days of Sukkot. Is it a coincidence that Sukkot falls after these days of awe? Because Sukkot are, are characterized by joy. Yeah, so this is a this is a very important thing that we have to understand that that the Yom Tovim, the holidays of the year, follow a certain progression. It's a progress. There's a process. That's a, there's an unfolding that's occurring. So every yomtif, every holiday follows the next one, and it's very—it's based on a certain seasonal pattern, and it's supposed to develop us and open us up. And we have to go through the yomtif, we have to go through the holidays, understanding that one's leading to the next, and each one's building on the next one in order to get through a full cycle of the year. Hopefully, we spiral into a higher place. So, in terms of Yom Kippur and Sukkot, the transition from going from a place of Yom Kippur to Sukkot is as follows. That Yom Kippur is essentially a time that uh, we say that it's it's Itzuma Shalyayim. Itzuma Shalyayim means like the essence of the day. The essence of the day brings brings acquittal. The essence of the day brings atonement. Whether we have to participate or not, that's already a debate, whether we have to do Tshuva or not. But the idea is that the essence of the day brings acquittal. Which means that the idea of Yom Kippur is that... On Yom Kippur, a person is supposed to live in a state where they strip themselves of all attachments to this world. Anything that they feel very much attached to, whether it's it's in terms of their relationship, in terms of their status, in terms of their, their power, their money, and you know what they eat, everything that, that a person is that's connected to the person's outside world, we, we let go. That's really what the idea of Yom Kippur is, to let go of every single attachment. Even the Kohen Gadol, when it talks about the high priest entering Yom Kippur, it says, and Kohen Gadol He has to separate himself from his home, which means a person has to separate themselves from the mundane life that they're living and the attachments to everything and the drama that's attached to everything that they're living with and enter into like this, this spacelessness, built itzur, non-form space. It's almost like entering into, into a, a, a mikvah, a ritual bath, a mikvah of time. Like going underwater in time, just like you can go under, you can go to a mikveh, you can go to a ritual bath in space. You can actually go into a body of water, of living water. So Yom Kippur is like entering into the mikveh Hashem, to the, the this ritual bath of of Hashem, to enter into this conceptual, dynamic, flowing, fluid space, where a person is completely divested himself of everything that they that they're connected with. This is a this is the type of freedom that we're supposed to achieve. But ultimately, ultimately, that's not the way we're supposed to live because we live in a place of form and we live in a place that we are attached. You're attached to your body. You're attached to, to, your, to, your, to your family, to things, the healthy attachments that you're really connected to. And that's why at the end of Yom Kippur, there was a great celebration when the high priest, the Kohen returned Lebesa. When he returned back to his home, there was a great celebration because that's the returning back into the space. So, and essentially, in, in terms of this development, is that in in the process of tshuva, in the process of this deep 
inner transformation that a person is experiencing and the total letting go of everything, a person can enter into a space where they don't find their footing because I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not defined by this attachment, not defined by that attachment. So who am I? What is my aspirations? What am I living for? Because if you really, in a very deep existential level, like let go of everything, of everything, so then who are you? And th that's why sometimes when people go through uh, at least the initial stages of chuva, of real transformations in, in their life, sometimes they, they lose themselves in the process because they're shedding a certain way of living, of a certain way of being, and therefore they let go of that, but in the process of letting go of that, who do they become? Like, who are they? So that's the idea of, of letting go. That's the idea of tshuva. And that's, that's healthy for a first state, for the first step in, in, a, in a process of developing is, is the letting go. That's what the Yom Kippur represents. Then, Hashem basically tells us, this is what the Torah is saying, that we have to make a sukkah. What is the sukkah saying? The sukkah is saying is, Hashem is saying, God is saying, I'm going to carve for you a certain place. The place is going to be a safe place. It's going to be Bitsil Dimnus. It's going to be under my canopy, under my wings. And I want you there in this new carved out space. It's a temporary space. That's the whole idea. It's, it's a temporary space, a temporary dwelling. I want you I want you to enter into that place of my embrace. That the sukkah represents the, the, the embrace of the infinite one embracing us. That's like similar to like the walls represent the full body embrace. And Hashem is saying, come into my space. And in the, this safe space that you could be now, develop yourself. Tell me who you want to become. Because I know that you don't want to be the previous person that you were. And you want to grow from, from you want to unhinge yourself from the negative patterns of behaviors that you were, you were stuck in. And it, just, it could be very, you know, dark things or it could be very subtle things. But if a person says, okay, now I want, to, I want to become much more. So Hashem says, okay, I'm going to carve you out of space. This is going to be a sacred space. And in this space, which you're coming from a base of spacelessness, which you, you haven't found your grounding, Hashem says, I'm coming to my place, coming to my sacred space. And in that place, find yourself and create the image, the tzura, the, the form that you want to create for yourself. That's why in the, in the sukkah, what you're doing is you're sitting under under the schach. You're sitting under under these branches, which represents, schach is a hundred, which Ari says represents this place of transcendence. It's, it also represents the, the, the world, which is called Olam HaMalmash, the world of, of possibility. It's like the metaphor that has the potential of all creation. Everything is created within a particular form, which is a certain type of expression, a particular type of expression. And the world of Malbush is where the potential of all expressions can, can be revealed, which is the ultimate place of the potential. So you're sitting in the place of the sukkah, and Hashem is saying, now that you're sitting in this place of, of, of pure potential, and you can rewrite your story, tell me the story that you want to rewrite it. And it has to be a joint effort, because the whole process of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, in terms of its development, is personal responsibility. That's what Rosh Hashanah is really about. And Rosh Hashanah is 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 Hashem's telling us. And Rosh Hashanah is that that I can be the master of the universe without you, but I want you to participate. I want you to be a subject in my kingdom, which means There's no there's no king without a subject, which means I need to. I want you 
not only that I should be the, the ruler of the world, but I want to be the king, which means I need a, a willing participant in this, in this, in this development. So Russian is really a time of our responsibility. That's why it represents the birth of mankind. The birth of mankind, what mankind is, what a human being is, to be human is to take responsibility for their life. Not to live as an, an autopilot, not to live as, a, as the cause, but to, be, to become the, that in effect, but to become the cause of your life. And to live and to take responsibility. So in the in the process of responsibility, or something saying, okay, you let you let go, you un you you untied yourself from all constrictions. Now I want you to tell me, in your own words, in your own imagination, tell me what you want to become. Tell me, let's co-create you. Let tell me and tell me what's what is your dreams, what are your aspirations. So on Sukkot, we actually sit in a place, which. A, it, which is very important that the schach, that the, the covering, which is the Olam that place of potential, we should be sitting under that shadow. And that's why if the walls are very tall and you're sitting on the shadow of the wall, it's, it's not going to be a kosher sukkah. It has to be under 20 hours. has to be under a certain, like about 30 feet, because then you're sitting under, you're sitting under the schach, you're sitting under the covering, which means that, that there has to be more shade than sun. You have to sit in the place that's more tzel, more shade than sun. Sun, the, the sun, what the sun represents is, is when we say, which means that there's nothing new under the sun. That's the expression, right? So the idea that there's nothing new in the sun, the sun represents the world of predictability, the world of, you know, what was yesterday will be tomorrow, and as today will be tomorrow. So in the world of predictability, in the world of just things are just in the state of their autopilot, there's no possibility for newness. There's no possibility for chadash. There's no possibility for, for imagination, for dream. And in on the times of sukkahs, we have to sit in a place that silasa, that there's more shade than the sun. So silasa represents like the, in, in, in terms of our own consciousness, it represents like our subconscious, like the place of, of our dream and our, our imagination. That's why sukkahs is a time also for, for prophecy. like And prophecy, I don't mean prophecy like, you know, to predict the future, but real prophecy, like inner prophecy, like deeper, like intuition, very deep spiritual intuition of like, who am I? This is why sukkahs say that the word sukkah actually comes from the word like Sacha Baruch Hakodesh, where it talks about uh, about Sarah, about Sarah. It says that she's called because uh, she has the same root of the word sukkah, which means to, to have like a higher vision, a deeper premonition, a deeper understanding of who we really are. That's why also sukkahs is connected. This, this yamtiv is connected with Simchas Beis Sheva, which is the drawing of the waters. Which Sham Shaivim Ruch This is where we drew the idea of Ruch Hakodesh, which is a holy, uh, divine inspiration. So the whole idea of Sukkot is to sit in this sacred space, when the space is actually clarified, and it's and it's Hashem's space. So it, the 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 avir, the, the the atmosphere is purified, so we can we can we can we can create and imagine in in a very healthy way, in a holy way, of like what is it? What is how do we live our full potential in this world? Like what? What is our true potential? How are we going to live it? How? What's What's the dream? What's the dream that we're living with? Like, forget about what you were and what who you were in the past and what your your Hamasa was, what your sun reality, your world of predictability, and where you were because you gave that all up on Yom Kippur. Like you entered into that spacelessness, and now you enter back into space. Tell me what your dream is. This is what Hashem is saying. Hashem is saying, I want you to sit in my sukkah and I give you the 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 potential for everything. I'm going to carve out the space for you. You know, it's 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 everything is 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 going to be shem shemayim. Everything is going to be that is going to be the name of Hashem is going to rest on the sukkah, which means I'm entering into that place, and I and so so create it. What be the co-creator in this in this co-creation story, and tell me what your imagination, tell me what your dream is, and that's why it's very interesting that um, that at the end of sukkahs, 
there's in Sukkot there's, there's two there's two Yom, two holidays that come together. But the last day of Sukkot, Sukkot, is uh, is a seven day holiday is Hashanah Rabbah, and uh, on the night of Hashanah Rabbah, which is the final night, it says that uh, it's brought out in Zoyer, and then it's brought down a lot of uh, many many of the commentaries also bring this down. The earlier Shainim, the Ramban, the Rakanti, etc. That and uh, that a person should look should stand in the moon and see whether they see their their shadow. Um, in the code, in the, in the code of Jewish law, already it says in Shulchan Aruch it says that that you shouldn't really do this because you don't know what you're looking for. But let's say theoretically, what the idea was is you can stand in the moon and look at your shadow, and if if you see your shadow, that means that you're going to have a good year. You're going to live. You're going to live out this year. And if you don't, God forbid that you're you're not going to you're not going to complete this year. Like you're, you know, you're not alive. You won't be alive. And what the 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 depth of what that means is, if that if for seven days. You were sitting in a sukkah, or you were celebrating sukkahs, and you came from a real place in Yom Kippur where you really didn't let anything go. And now you're sitting in the world of Mal, you're sitting in this possibility, and you're creating. If, if after seven days there is no dream, there is no cell, there's no shadow, then and you can't see a shadow, there's nothing there. I I, I didn't create anything. Then what Hashem is then what Hashem is really saying is that you're not going to live this year. Not that God forbid you're going to die. That's on one level. But 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 on a deeper level, it means. You're you're ready. On, you're, you're a dead man walking. Meaning you're you don't you're you're living without aspirations, living without desire. You don't have any. You're, okay, you you function. You eat. You sleep. You do everything you have to do. But but you're not alive. You're not fully alive. There's no. You're not an Adam. You're not a person. A person lives with a, with a Adam. A man has the same numeric value as the word ma, which is a question mark, which is desire, a longing. I, what 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 I want? What's my shifas? What is my desires? What what do I aspire for myself? I sorry for myself, for my family, for 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 all the class, for the world. What are, what's the aspiration? What's the big aspiration? What's the personal aspiration? So this is what we have to think about. Like when we're going from the process of Yom Kippur, from this process of the spacelessness and feeling completely unhinged and 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 free, and and totally letting go, we have to understand that the ultimate purity is not in the process of the letting go. The ultimate purity, like just like in the similar. To, in, a, in a mikvah, like literally in a ritual bath, that the ultimate purity is actually when you're emerging from the mikvah, not when you're under the water. The same thing also is with this process of Yom Kippur and Sukkot. The ultimate way to know whether your Yom Kippur is really successful is not if you totally let go and you know you disappeared on the mountaintop because you just detach yourself from everything. But if you can return from that place of the underwater and you can return in a healthy way and create healthy attachments and healthy healthy desires and healthy yearnings and healthy dreams and healthy ambitions from the place of totally non-attachment. So it's 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 a dream that comes, it's an aspiration that comes without anxiety. That would be the difference. You know, it doesn't come with all the tension. It's like it's not and it's not an aspiration and a dream and a desire that is God forbid over another person. Like it's not about me being successful more than somebody else. That's already still within the world of, of, of like you know of, of of attachments and and and, and negativity. It's about wh- why am I created? Like who am I? What's my full potential that I can live in this world? Forget about with the other person. Like I I I don't have to make myself bigger by putting putting you down, but I have to be as big as I can because Hashem God gave me these these potentials. So what is your dream? This is what Hashem is saying, and therefore this 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 process is very. Uh, elevating and elating and joyful to like really create it and then and then eventually live it. So this is the process that we go from Yom Kippur. We end up into the Hall of the Wow! Thank you very much. That really, really is a tremendous gift that we have this process. Thank you, folks. Exactly. It is a tremendous gift that we have this process.
we have to just make sure that we actually um, we truly live this process not you know not just go through another year that's okay we did you know we got to, we, we experienced it and now we move forward we have to understand we're trying to we're trying to move in life we're trying to grow every year we have to go a little deeper yeah thank you uh, moving on to our next question what what does the Dalad meaning represent? This is the uh, Lulav and the Esrug, um, the Hadassim and the Aravus. Um, it's, it's connected to joy. How, how is it that this, this reflects and awakens joy within us? So you're assuming that it, that it does awaken joy, right? So it's connected to joy. Now what does it have to do with joy? So you're asking that it's, it should be connected to joy, right? Because... That's yeah, what it seems like to seemingly the circus is connected to joy and how is it connected to joy? So the idea is like this. The big idea is like this. Then we'll see how it works in its details. The big idea is that Yichud, unity, comes together with joy. Simcha and Yichud is, is, is a part of the same thing. Joy and unity are the same thing. It's actually a Rashi and Ksuvis. On page eight, a Rashi talks about this a little bit. Why we why we talk about joy when we talk about marriage? That dveikus and and simcha, unity and and joy come together. We'll understand how this works, but this is an important premise. They're synonymous. You They're like synonymous. Okay. They're almost synonymous. Like when you have dveikus, you have joy. When you have unity, okay. when the somebody becomes unified. That's a better word. Then there's inherent yeah, joy. Yeah, there's inherent joy. In the, the process of the unification of that, that, that creates that there's, a, there's an inherent joy. Um, so let's uh, let's understand that a second. The um, the entire idea of sukkahs in general, before we get to the four species, the four the four types, is that sukkahs is actually called chaga asif, the time of of gathering, and that means that you're gathering people. Piece, literally, it's like it's a harvest season, like on a physical level, on a seasonal level, an agricultural level. So it's 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 a it's a season where you know it's at the end of the, the end of the summer, beginning of fall, the beginning before the the winter season comes, and you gather up all the all the produce in the field, and it's a time when you gather everything up, and that that itself brought a certain type of joy. Like I'll know, like I'm going to survive through the winter. That was like you know that was a, a very simple simple definition of what that meant in an agricultural society. Um, the joy of knowing the, of survival, but the gathering of things, to knowing, okay, I have this, this amount of potatoes and this amount of ca cabbage or whatever. But there's like a deeper level. There's this Chag Asif, can, can, this idea of, ga of gathering together, of tr drawing things together, creating Yichud, creating this unification, is, uh, is on, all, on multiple levels. This exists on all different levels of existence, like physically, like, you know, in terms of uh, agriculture. But you see this actually in the Torah itself, like this year, for example, is uh, is the year of Hakal, right? Hakal means the year that that in the in the ancient world, and some people say we should, you know, that, that in the ancient, especially in the ancient times, in times of the temple, times of the basic English, the Jews would gather together. That was Hakal. Hakal means to gather together. So there was something about the gathering together, um, and it's interesting that the Hakal year, which is like the same year this year, is comes after the year of Shemitah. So in the Shemitah year, which is the seventh year of every seventh cycle, every seventh year you left, you actually left the the, the, the produce foul, so you didn't you didn't work the land, which means there was nothing to gather. There was no harvest. 
So the Torah is actually saying in a very subtle way when there's nothing to gather on on a on vegetables or, or your produce to gather the people. So at the end of the year, there's still a Chag Asaf. It still represents a, a time of gathering. It's just not gathering of, of produce because there's nothing to gather, but you're gathering the people. So there's, there's, the Torah actually already hints to this idea that the, the gathering is, is something very connected. So let's let, we'll start off like this. Like There's something about this idea of um, of, of the, of the Chag Asaf, the time of gather. The time of gathering, which brings joy, and this is the way the Rambam Maimonides writes about this in the, in the in the guide and perplex in the third chapter, third part. Now that's the idea of the joy, and so why these specific these specific elements, these specific species? So the Rambam classically gives like a very rational reason. It says because number one, these are things that are found throughout all the land of Israel. These are produce that can be you can pick up in anywhere. You can pick it up in the Galil. You can pick it up anywhere in the middle of Israel or. In the south and the north, you can always get these 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 species. Um, they are beautiful; they're very beautiful uh, things and uh, veg- vegetations or fruit. And they not they don't they don't wither quickly. So they actually you can you can hold them for like seven days and they don't they don't wither. Technically, they shouldn't wither as quickly. Maybe they're always a little bit different, but that generally they, they don't wither. Which means the reason why they were they were taken they were taken is because because of its beauty and its endurance and its uh, and its and its uh, availability. Um, but they also represent they also represent four types of of vegetations that grow in the different parts of the of the land. So, for example, like you know uh, uh, the, the the willows. Um, grow next to water, Avernachal. Now, whether it's literally water or it's seeping from water, it has to be literal water, but it grows and it needs, it needs a lot of water to, to be nourished. Um, the, 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 the lulav, which is a, a, day, a, a, a day tree, is, is, uh, is, doesn't need any water. It actually can grow in the desert, so it represents the opposite. Uh, an esrig it has to has a certain type of climate that actually needs to be fed throughout the entire season, four seasons. It grows throughout the entire year. And then in the plains is where the where the hadas the myrtles grow. So you have like things that are growing in the desert, things that goes next to water, things things that grow particularly throughout the entire year, or things that grow in the regular plains. So they represent like four different types of climates, really, essentially these these four vegetations. And what you're doing is you're you're bringing all these climates together, holding them in your hand, in a, in a form of vegetation, a form of life, and that's a type of gathering. On a very physical level of the gathering, of the different types of, of 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 fruit, of these types of different types of vegetation, and uh, and that and that brings and that brings joy. That brings a type of joy of the gathering of these types of elements together, and uh, and and because of its beauty and and its endurance, etc. That that that's why these are the most particular, but also because they actually represent different parts of the of the country of the on the land of the landscape, and like the Sefer Chinuch writes, one of the early classic commentators writes that. What you're saying is these fruits bring joy, but I'm going to bring my joy to Hashem. So whenever I'm experiencing joy, the joy should be an elated joy, a spiritual joy, and I'm, I'm directing it towards towards Hashem. So this is one level of gathering that brings like a physical like sensation of joy, the joy of some of holding something that's that's beautiful and something that represents something, and and, and bringing them together. That's on a very like on a very simplistic understanding of what the idea of joy then there's like there's this idea of what the chazal already the sages developed and, and speak about 
um, in the Medjashaba, and Vayikra talks about in great length, which is that they, these types of four species actually represent also four types of people. Um, some people have, you know, a beauty, some, these, 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 these four types, some, uh, like the Esrog, like the for example, is the, the citron type of fruit, has both a delicious taste, it tastes very nicely, and it looks very beautiful. And it has, and has and a beautiful smell. So it's something that, that it gives off a scent, which means it's externally beautiful, it gives off a scent. But also internally, when you open it up, it actually tastes very, very nicely. Some of them give a scent, but actually don't have any taste, like, like the myrtle, the adasin. Some, some only give it a uh, 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 taste, and they don't have, some don't have taste. And, and what the Medrash is saying, the sages tell us, the rabbis tell us, that they represent the four types of people, four types of Jews. There's some people that are filled with external good actions, which means externally they're doing a lot of good things in this world. And then they're also, and then if you cut them open, like if you really get into them, so to speak, they're full of taste. So they're, they're, they're saturated with learning and, and scholarship and, and, and have a, a deep inner life. Some people are very externally beautiful and they do a lot of beautiful things in the world. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. But they don't have like a real rich inner life. Some people have very rich inner life, but they don't project anything outwardly. And some people, God forbid, you know, or just don't have any. Not a rich inner life, not a rich outer life. And what the idea of bringing these four species together is to draw them together. That's the achtos. That's the idea of the of the unity of these of these four. It's the drawing of these four things together, and and that itself brings joy. So it also represents within a person himself. Right? This, this, these are all traits within. Them. Sometimes a person feels that they have a rich inner life and a rich outer life. Sometimes they feel like depleted of the inner life for whatever, because the things, a lot of things are going on, so they're in their life. Sometimes they feel depleted of their outer life. They can't really express anything because they, they, they're not in the right conditioning. So it's like bringing the different parts within Claudius or within the people of Israel together, like this type of unity within that, and then also within their own, within within our own self. So this is also like a type of drawing things together, which brings which which brings joy. Incidentally, before we just said about, about the, the, the vegetation, the vegetation itself, each of these four themselves have a, a type of a unifying factor, which means that the 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 lulav is, in order for it to be a kosher lulav, has to be not open, which means it has to be kathos, has to be t- like closed, which means it's drawn together. An eser has to feed from all the seasons, which represents the idea of yichud, unity. Uh, uh, Aravos, which is the, the the willows, are called ach, achvun, they're actually called brothers, because they grow in bunches. And the Hadassim have to have three in each one. That's a correct, that's the best kosher Hadassim, which is the myrtles, which means also represent the idea of unity. So there's, there's, there's a concept of drawing things together in unity. Then there's like the more cosmic level, which is rooted in the Zoyer, but and the Ramban, Rabbeinu B'chayef, some of the early commentaries write about this, that they actually represent the different letters of the name of Hashem. So it's like a, 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 a cosmic unification. So... The, the three the three hadasim the three myrtles represent uh, the yud in the name of Hashem the yud in the name of Hashem Hashem has four there's four letters in the name of God four letters in the name of Hashem yud is actually spelled with three three letters yud of dalit so those three letters represent the hadasim that's chesed word to that's like the the yud and then there's the two aravas the two the two uh, willow branches so that's netzach uh, and that's the hay hay spelled hey hey two hays so that's netzach and that's another tense to spheres. Then the lulav represents the side, which is the vav, and then the malchus, the, the final is uh, is is the esrog itself. I know this. Some people this is going to be very foreign to them. This concept, but that, that essentially is that there are ten spheres. There, there there's ten divine um, uh, attributes, as it were. 
correspondingly to the to the four letters in the name of Hashem. And what's important, which is very important, and this is why it's very important that when we when we finish the blessing, we have to draw the esrik to the lulav and make sure they're unified. So the lulav itself has three of the elements already attached to it. So it represents uh, it represents chesed uh, It represents all the emotion, all the emotional attributes, the six emotional attributes. The yud kevavki also But it's very important that we put the esrik, attach it to the lulav and esrik, because that creates the unity of the, the, of the four letters of the name of Hashem. Because if you're separating the lulav and esrik, it's like you're separating the letters of the name of Hashem. There's actually there's the Shulchanar, the Code of the Jewish Law, actually records a story of Menachem Rikanti, one of a great sage, one of the students of the Ramban, had a dream that he was separating the letters of the name of Hashem. He didn't understand it. And it turned out that what, what was revealed was because the, he was not putting the Esrik together with the Lulav when he was making the blessing. And which is interesting that generally the... There's different customs exactly how you hold the lulav and esrik throughout, throughout davening, throughout halal, because that's when you shake the lulav and esrik generally. Um, some have the custom, like the Chabad custom, is to hold the lulav in the right hand and put down the esrik. Only when you do the nanui, when you shake it, you pick it up. But in the year of Hakel, which is the year of ingathering, which is a deeper level of ingathering, the custom of the Rebbe was, the Lav Rebbe was actually to hold the esrik together with the lulav throughout the entire halal. Because that represents a higher level of unity. So how can we have to make sure that we do that? In other words, what you're trying to do is on a cosmic level, you're drawing these these uh, these ideas. Okay, this is like at a super super high level. Then we have to talk about this how this works. Chaga Asif, the 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 holiday, the yomtif of ingathering on a pneumistic level, on, a, on an internal level in our own life experience, not in the seasonal and, and, and agricultural level, not in the collection of different people that are getting together, not in the name of Hashem, but actually in our own, in our own, in our own nefesh, in our own, in our own soul, which is that, you know, that the process, the process of sukkahs is, the process of, of this, of this ingathering is a person reaching full chilla, full transformation. Because in, the, in, in, in processes of transformation, usually what happens is, like I spoke a little before, so, sometimes happens, is that in order to grow, we shed certain parts of ourselves because we feel like that's the only way we can actually move forward. But ultimately, that's not, that doesn't bring us joy. We, the ultimate joy in our life is that we, we can include everything. That's what the Chaga Asif, the element of the Asif, of the gathering. We have to gather all the pieces together of our, ourselves. To have actually Tshuva Shlema, to actually have full Tshuva, not half-dimensional tshuva, is if a person has like a certain sense of humor and then they sometimes they make a, a very serious commitment to like become a bal tshuva, to become more serious about their life, they to sometimes think that serious equates to losing their self the sense of humor or let's say the artistic expression, whatever that is. And maybe for a certain stage in their life, that that's what has to be done. You have to let go in order to move forward. But ultimately, ultimately you have to like get together all the pieces together. You have to reclaim all, the, all those pieces. And then, from that place, you can actually start growing in a healthy way. And that's the simcha, that's the joy. The joy is when I can pick up all the pieces that I dropped throughout my life, gather them all together, and sameach becomes sameach. Joy becomes to grow, because the sin and the tzaddik are interchangeable. And sameach actually means vegetation. So you're taking a vegetation. You're taking all these ve- these vegetation, these things that were once that were attached to trees and, and to fruit. And you're saying, 
I am part of the tzemech. I'm identifying fully with what the idea of a tzemech, vegetation means. And what is tzemech? Tzemech means growth. And the growth that I have now is by drawing all these four elements, whether in the four levels of my own consciousness, also corresponding to Nefesh Ruch, Neshama whatever, these different levels of my soul, whether they represent the four levels of different types of people, whether they represent all the different types of seasons that are happening in the world, whether it represents a cosmic level, Yudke, Vavke, everything's being asif. Everything's being drawn together, put it together, held in my hand, and I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm growing. I'm, I'm Tzameach. And that's the joy. The joy comes from the gathering everything together, and from that place to create proper growth and proper movement, proper vegetation. I'm identifying fully, I'm holding this fully, and I'm, I am like the tzameach, I am like this, this vegetation that is, that is growing. And that's a tremendous joy. That's a tremendous joy. That's why we, we dance on circus. Circus is a very important thing to dance. And Siv writes that, that, that the chag, it's, it's called chag, it's, chag represents like the dance, to make a chag, to make a the dancing. Dancing is an important. Dancing means like, I become lighter. I'm like, I'm not pulled down. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm being drawn to something higher. Like, like literally like a, like a tree that's being drawn to light. That's, that's jumping upwards. This is what it means. I mean, deeply rooted, but jumping upwards. And that's what uh, circus is all about. And this for species. Thank you so much. That is a very profound look at what the Torah teaches us about joy. Yeah. And in that really our transformation shouldn't stop at just breaking down. Correct. And, uh, Shedding the layers of who we are. Correct. Really it's, that's that's uh, step one. That's maybe. step one. Exactly. And we need to complete it. Correct. Which is going to be through this joy of Correct. Circus. Correct. 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 The gathering up. The gathering yeah, up. All the of gather- ourselves. All of ourselves. Correct. Thank you for listening to Ralph Pinson's podcast. To submit questions or to sponsor a future episode, please email ralphpinsonpodcast at gmail.com. The link is in the description below. Thank you.